Welcome back to another episode of Aggie Hoops Weekly, and we have a special guest for you guys this week. We are joined by Brent Zwerneman of the Houston Chronicle, and he's going to talk to us about Billy Kennedy, the Buzz Williams rumors, and a host of Aggie basketball offseason topics. Let's roll. Welcome back to Aggie Hoops Weekly. We've got a big treat for you guys this week. We spoke with Brent Zwerneman, the Aggie beat writer for the Houston Chronicle. And so here we sit on Thursday night. Texas Tech, Gonzaga, Purdue, and Virginia have all punched their tickets to the Elite Eight. We are sitting in the heart of a coaching search, but there hasn't been a whole lot of news on that front. So David, where do you think things are going on this coaching search? I want to get us to the interview as quickly as we can because Brent is good at talking about this and you and I are, eh, you know, <laughs> we're okay. But I think it's really odd, the uh, the simplicity and the directness I've heard from basically everyone regarding this search, which is that it's all about buzz. I mean, there's no, there's very little in, in the terms of alternatives or in any other timeline, alternate moves we might make. Uh, we've watched these other schools kind of lose and then pick up guys in the interim while we've done nothing. And I think that stands to reason that if we're not doing anything, it must be because we're targeting one of the 16 remaining coaches and one of them is Buzz Williams. So I think it really might be that open and shut. I would prefer Blake for simplicity's sake. I would prefer if if Virginia Tech were to lose to Duke tomorrow night, that would be the easiest and cleanest of all possible options because you do wonder if a miracle run is in the cards for Virginia Tech, could minds be changed with the Virginia Tech AD bump up the salary? You know, it makes you kind of wonder that you could be in trouble watching other coaching vacancies come and go. But as it stands right now, I think we're safe. I think, you know, barring a, a run to the Final Four or something even maybe more miraculous than that, I think Buzz Williams is our coach sometime in the next 10 days. I agree. I think that that is the, the eventuality where things are headed. There is this part of curiosity in the back of my brain that's saying, if it wasn't Buzz, who else would we talk to? Because I think there's some really great candidates out there. What Johnny Dawkins has done with UCF, I would love to see Johnny Dawkins come to A&M. Uh, I think that there's some other guys out there, even some of the guys who've been who've been picked up. Oates going to Alabama. I mean, that's that was a great hire from them. He's leaving Buffalo to 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 lead the Crimson Tide. So. You know, I think that there are some really intriguing candidates that that A and M would have gone after if Buzz wasn't the guy. And who knows? Maybe maybe a win over Duke elevates Buzz Williams' profile to a, a place where he he doesn't come here. Maybe Virginia Tech realizes what they have on their hands, and I hope for our sake that they don't. But maybe he elevates his profile with a win to the point where he gets a a, a nice big fat contract extension in Blacksburg and. And we're looking down the road, but there I, I don't see that happening. I, I think you're right that Buzz will be the guy within a matter of days. So at, at this point, there's always that curiosity of who else would, would have been considered. So with that being said, we're going to chat with Brent Zwerneman of the Houston Chronicle to talk about Buzz Williams, Billy Kennedy, and pretty much any Aggie basketball offseason topic you might be interested in. So let's toss to the interview. now we have a real treat. We have joining us the esteemed Aggie beat writer for the Houston Chronicle, Brent Zwerneman. Brent, welcome to Aggie Hoops Weekly. Hey, glad to be on. Thanks for having me on. It's a midnight special. (laughs) It is, and we do thank you for joining us, Brent. I'm going to jump into the topic everyone's excited about, and that is the the notion and the prediction that Buzz Williams might be coming to join us soon in College Station. 
But as the listeners will note, he's still the current coach at Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech is still in the tournament. Despite the strong rumors that he might be coming to join us, how important is it that Virginia Tech get knocked out relatively quickly so we can put this thing on ice? Yeah, it's gotten interesting in terms of, um, you know, if they if they keep going into the tournament. I, I honestly don't think that will change things in the end. Like, let's say they even get to the Final Four or – lo and behold, the championship game or, you know, hey, maybe maybe a championship would change things. But I think at this point, it's far enough down the road. That's why it's been so quiet on the A&M front where you see a school like Alabama fires its coach. And next thing you know, they have they have a coach within a few days from the very beginning of all this. The only the only name plan A uh, Plan Buzz, whatever you want to call it, was his was the only name I heard. In in fact, if you back up to Jimbo Fisher back in the fall of, of what was it? Two, I'm starting to lose my years now. 2017, I heard. Okay, Jimbo Fisher's. I heard that in September of 2017. Jimbo Fisher's the guy. But if something happens, cold feet decides to stay in Tallahassee, they're going to look toward. Chad Morris over at SMU is kind of a backup. In this situation, I haven't even heard of a, of, a, of a plan B past plan buzz. So that's why it's gone quiet following the firing of Billy Kennedy. They're just kind of waiting for him to bow out. Now now he's in the Sweet 16, which on the flip side, you say, okay, they'd like to get him in College Station as soon as possible, You know, start kind of looking at his current recruiting class and all those things. But also you have to say, hey, it's pretty good that he's taken a Virginia Tech program into the Sweet 16 and, and possibly into the Elite Eight. Uh, so it's hard to kind of argue with that if he is indeed going to be the next coach. And by all indications are, it's all still on. Nothing has changed that he, you know, that he intends to come back to his home state at this point. But, yeah, as it, as it goes on and, and through the weekend, um, I would guess that Aggies would just as soon – uh, Virginia Tech give Duke a, a good hard-fought game, and it comes down to the wire, and the Blue Devils pull it out. And next thing you know, Buzz Williams is on a plane by <laughs> over the weekend or Monday, Tuesday toward College Station. Buzz has been the the leading contender, but has Scott Woodward been looking to make a big splash? If if the Buzz thing falls through, do you think he's going to go with a young up-and-comer? Is he going to go with a more established Power Five guy? Kind of what what's the direction that you think that this hire is going overall? Yeah, it's interesting because if you look back at the A&M hires, uh, going back to once Shelby Metcalf exited stage right, you know, it was Kermit Davis, it was Tony Baroni, it was, um, you know, on, on, on it, Melvin Watkins, it was these guys, Billy Gillespie, Mark Turgeon, uh, all these guys, Billy Kennedy, every one of them was, you know, from what, a, a mid-major, you know, considered maybe a a guy who had taken his team to the NCAA tournament, maybe gotten a, a couple of wins in the NCAA tournament and a uh, rising star. Hopefully that's what Aggie's administration were hoping. And at this point uh, with the revenue that A&M has coming in in the athletic department, you, you would think that it would maybe be a more established guy a more proven winner, just like with Jimbo Fisher in football and that's where the Buzz Williams factor comes in. He, you know, he is a, a proven winner at the at the top levels. Um, if that somehow, some way falls through, if Buzz wins a national title and they're building a statue for him in Blacksburg, uh, then, then uh, I'll be curious to see the route at that point. You know, who's still out there? Who who is Plan B? But right now, I I couldn't even venture a guess because. 
um, because it, it hasn't gotten that far in the process that I think that, that they're so convinced that it is going to be Buzz Williams. Well, then, uh, Brent, let's take things in a different direction here in the interim. Uh, as we sit here uh, during our time without a coach, we've seen three of our recruits ask for and receive a release from their commitment in uh, Harris, Brown, and Wheeler, leaving us with only one incoming freshman. Are you concerned that these are guys who are truly looking to leave the program, or do you think these might just be guys asking for their release in order to gauge the situation and, and could perhaps return to Aggieland? Yeah, I think it's that second part, and they're being smart. If I was in that situation, I think if y'all were in that situation, you want to leave as many of your options open in that situation. And I tell you, it's basketball's such a it's a weird sport because if you do have a coach who has success, the tournament allows what sixty eight technically sixty four teams really to to possibly win a national title, and so it's different from football where even if you have a coach who you know, is considered a proven winner and maybe he's having a little bit of a down season or something, or he's in a bowl game, but it's not a, you know, that it's not the final four in football. It's not the college football playoff. It's a different deal. Then you can go ahead and bring that guy on board and, and uh, interim can, can coach the bowl game and so forth. Whereas with basketball, it is different because Buzz Williams right now has just about as much chance as anyone, you know, you would think to, to possibly win a national championship. So it, it does make it different. And from the recruits perspective, they're going to do what they're going to do. And maybe y'all can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I don't think they, they can't actually sign with anyone right for a while. It has to be where I'm sure they would meet with the new coach and, you know, and everything I know about Buzz Williams, he's very charismatic and a, and a, a guy that uh, his players love him. And a lot of it is tough love. And I saw quite a bit of that when he was under Billy Gillespie. So I think those three guys are, are probably doing the smart thing, leaving their options open with the idea that they very well could end up at Texas A&M. And who knows from Buzz Williams' perspective, if he wants all those guys, you know, maybe he considers there's a better option out there as well. So I think that's, I think that's where it is you know, on that front. I don't think these guys are just necessarily saying, uh, yeah, it's not going to be A&M at this point because Billy Kennedy's not there. I think it's kind of more of a wait-and-see approach and them taking the steps necessary to maybe, um, I guess, maybe get a couple more college visits out of the whole deal as well while they while they wait around and see what happens with A&M. As you mentioned, Buzz Williams was with Texas A&M during the Gillespie tenure, was kind of Gillespie's top assistant. Now that you've you've had a chance to cover Billy Gillespie and you've had a chance to cover Buzz Williams working under Billy Gillespie and you've had a chance to cover Billy Kennedy, kind of compare and contrast the styles of Buzz Williams and, and Billy Kennedy and what can we expect if Buzz does indeed become the, the next Aggies head coach? You know, it's funny with Buzz because, it, you know, when he, when he gets here, I'm going to look forward to getting to know him because when he was under Billy Gillespie, Man, I don't ever remember outside of him coaching and barking at guys. Like, I don't ever remember him really even saying a word and always kind of joked that Gillespie just told him not to talk unless it was coaching or something, unless it was out hmm. on the recruiting trail, because I don't think I ever really even had a, a conversation. I like to say now that I think one time I was walking by him and said hello and he kind of grunted in response. So <laughs> I didn't realize he even had much of a personality. And then you see him go off to, to what, New Orleans and Marquette, and then, and then I'm going, and you see this guy dancing on the sidelines and having a big time. And I'm like, man, that doesn't even seem like the same guy that was at Texas A&M. But I guess all of that 
goes to show he's pretty versatile. You know, he can he can be the loyal soldier and he can be the the, the showman who's you know leading the charge as well. Uh, in terms of a contrast with Billy Kennedy, you know, Billy, you know, I admire I admire the man greatly. You know, with everything, it's it's amazing how he fought. Uh, you know, Parkinson's and getting that diagnosis from the beginning instead of just retiring and going meekly into the night. It's, it, he's an incredible fighter. I consider him the biggest inspiration I've ever seen, you know, in 20 plus years of, of covering A&M athletics. But with his personality, as y'all well know, as y'all know all too well, man, it, it's almost like you need a Gary Blair type with Aggie basketball, a guy who's constantly championing the program and, and uh, trying to get fans out and, and saying all the right things. That just wasn't Billy Kennedy's approach. You know, he even told me one time his players back at Mary State nicknamed him Dirty Harry because he's just so quiet and low-key. <laughs> now, if you're going to the NCAA tournament every year and you're making a, a run in it, Sweet 16, Elite 8, you know, possibly having a chance at a national championship, oh, that's okay. It's in the tournament six out of eight seasons, and you're a low-key guy who doesn't prefer the spotlight and trying to drum up support and get fannies in the seats at Reed Arena, then that all kind of creates what we saw in Reed this year, which was two, 3,000 fans in place for a conference game. And I will say that's been, to me, that's been one, and I haven't really written this, but I've observed it. It's been one of the downsides of the SEC, and I was all for the move to the SEC, still am, love it. I don't think there's anything better than a Saturday you know, in the South for college football and all those things. But that being said, there is a difference when, say, Alabama rolls into town for against a, you know, average A&M team as opposed to Texas Tech, Baylor, Texas, that's going to get a crowd anyway. Now you're getting those few thousand. Now I know A&M will happily take the trade off there in terms of what's going on and it's part of being in the SEC. But I do think that's a kind of an interesting aspect of it, that if you don't have a team – that's really very good at A&M, then you're really going to get those those low crowds. So a big part of this is basketball is supposed to be a moneymaker for A&M. You know, it's one of the two revenue sports uh, traditionally. It hasn't, you know, hasn't been that way when you're not selling tickets and you're just getting a few thousand people in. So Buzz Williams certainly has that type of personality, that kind of uh, folksy type approach that that's worked so well for Gary Blair and, course that helps with Gary Blair that he's won a national championship and and uh, is going back to another sweet 16 with the with what he's done with that rebuild that's been amazing but uh, so anyway it all adds up to to where they are right now and feeling like Buzz is that guy a Texan who can coach a team deep into the NCAA tournament and also really kind of drum up support along the way and Brent I appreciate you saying that about Big 12 basketball that's something that both Blake and I have touched on off and on over the last two years, uh, that that marks our time on campus was was Big 12 life. And there was a time there, particularly during the transition from Gillespie to Turgeon, where if you add in the home and homes with the Big 12 South, then you add Kansas, KSU, and then for a time, even the Missouri games were a little feisty. That was sure. 13 of our 16 conference games, right? That's, that's 13 of our 16 conference games where there's an innate interest in our opponent, regardless of how good either team is, really. So... You're absolutely yeah, right. That's something that exactly. we are struggling with out right now. Yeah, and, and you know, talking about that era and when y'all were in school, man, it, it was amazing because, okay, when I first started covering the Aggies, and this was back at the Eagle, and it was 1995, um, my first job out of college, out of St. Houston State, was writing obituaries at the Bryan College Station Eagle, which which I like to joke prepared me for covering the Dennis Franchoni era. <laughs> That's a good story. Yeah. Well played. So, yeah, sorry. Uh, which also covered part of y'all's era, right? You know. Oh so, yes. 
I saw G. Raleigh White in the mid-90s, late-90s, you know, going into the late-90s, and um, just tough place to recruit to, you know. So then I was I covered when Reed Arena opened up and Melvin Watkins, you know, and he, he failed. And then Gillespie comes in. They start turning things around there in Reed. And, and suddenly, by 06, 07, I mean, Reed Arena had become a place to see and be seen in town, which was amazing to me. You know, because he'd produced a winner. I mean, I remember even in 05, people were wearing NIT shirts, and I still have one hanging in the closet. I've got one so too. Special yeah. That <laughs> yeah, that the Aggies were going back to the postseason, even if it was the NIT. Now the NIT, now, you know, because of what Billy Gillespie and Pershing and then Kennedy to, you know, to an extent have built, that's now a disappointment, which shows you where this program expects to be at this point. But I do remember 06, 07, around in there. I can't believe this, you know, this, that I think even every once in a while, kind of some B-list celebrities would show up to games and stuff. And uh, it's like, man, this is, this is pretty cool. And so I'm thinking that um, especially with the increased enrollment since then and, and the increased population around Bryan College Station that they're feeling like if they can get a consistent winner, then suddenly you will see, you know, 11, 12, maybe even 13,000 people in the arena for, for conference games moving forward. Well, I've got one more quick one for you, Brent, and then I'll, I'll toss it over to sure. Blake. Is is there any chance that we see Admon Gilder on the court again, or was his senior night truly the last time we're going to see him in, uh, on the floor at Reed Arena? I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that. I think my impression is, and I, I could be way off on this because I don't have any real insight into it, is that he's he's kind of in wait-and-see mode as well. You know, with everything he had, with the surgery for the blood clot and his right arm and so forth, um, the idea that you know, right now that he's an NBA prospect, well, you know, he's not that. He's going to have to kind of prove himself all over again. Well, he could use this year, as we all know here, as a red shirt since he played as a true freshman. So I think he's in wait-and-see mode as well. And, you know, and how much would that add? If you had a healthy Admon Gilder coming back for a senior year, for a fifth year, with the idea that he can really turn in a, a great season and up his stock and possibly be a – you know, a late second round draft choice or something like that. Um, it's very intriguing to me. It seems like that would be the smart thing to do, but you know, I guess that's just me saying, you know, kind of wishful thinking, hoping to see him back in an A and M uniform and in leading leading this program forward because as as we've kind of touched on and talked about, there are some pieces in place that uh, you know, Buzz or or whomever is gonna inherit that uh Right now, I'd say they're a fringe NCAA tournament team next year moving forward. But uh, part of that's going to depend on how many of these guys in the recruiting class they get back and how things gel under under the new guy. But if Admon's out there running the show, you know, on both ends of the floor and being a leader, that would be a huge injection into this program moving forward and would really help the new coach have a, have a jump start in winning, really. So you certainly have a, a closer vantage point than most of us. Most of our listeners have probably read the articles about Billy Kennedy, know how how gallantly he's he's battled Parkinson's since basically, you know, right before the, the start of his first season here in Aggieland. What are the things that we don't see with Billy Kennedy, the things that, that you and, and the other members of the media and even the team are privy to that, that we as fans don't, you know, we may read about it, but we don't quite understand or don't quite get to see it at the same level. Yeah, the um, when out of here, here's an example of that. When out of town riders would come in, say from from Alabama or Mississippi or something like that, let's take the old Miss rider uh, Parrish Alford. He he's like, 
man, is he always like that? You know, because a lot of times coaches, you'll see a guy at a press conference and he's yucking it up and having fun and all those type of things. But then behind the scenes, you hear a little bit different story in terms of, you know, the locals and how it is day to day. These guys would say, and it's, is Billy Kennedy really like this? Yes, absolutely. In fact, he's even, he's even better than this, you know, in person. And I'll give you all an example. When our youngest was born, we have three kids, nine, seven, and five. And when our youngest was born five years ago, he, he had a, a heart issue, right. You know, from his first day of life. And within a month he was had heart surgery down at Texas children's hospital. And Billy Kennedy without fail would always ask us how Brady, how is Brady doing? Hey, we're praying for him, you know, and so forth. And it, it, it was amazing. And, you know, and that's the type of person he is. And that's when you see behind the scenes, how he is able to recruit some pretty good players and so forth. You don't necessarily see that on the court and, you know, and in interviews and everything, because he is a pretty low key guy, but all of those things add up. And then you add up how he, how he has courageously fought Parkinson's and his, his wife is such a rock uh, by his side. And, and uh, you know, they're very involved in their church and so forth. And she even taught my kids in Sunday school for a while. And, and uh, so, yeah, it's um, all those things, you know, just a remarkable family. All that being said to me, that's, in the end, separate from the idea of, you know, someone posed a question to me a few weeks ago, said, okay, would you rather cover a program that every year was an NCAA tournament, but maybe kind of a one and done or maybe two wins as opposed to a team every few years, maybe two out of eight years, like the Kennedy era that goes to at least the Sweet 16. And I said, you know what? I think it would be because of the thrill, and y'all understand this, with, with even having a podcast about it and everything, the thrill and anticipation of March Madness and where are they going to be seated? Where are they going? Who are they going to be playing? Can they make a run? All those things. If you're able to do that annually, I think that would be more of a thrill than, than just every once in a while, as opposed to being on the sidelines and just and watching these other, other programs doing it year in and year out. So, you know, I, I didn't, I could see where they're coming from going back to my, uh, talking about the attendance and what was happening there. And it was just uh reading it almost kind of become a morgue near the end there uh, uh, under the Kennedy era. So they felt like they didn't really have much choice at that point. Now, if you said, yeah, you've got the next Rob Williams coming in, you're going to have him a couple of years and, and things are really looking bright. And this was just an aberration, but they really didn't have that in this class. And, and, you know, you can almost say you could, looked like it might be more of the same moving forward. So that's why they felt like they had to, you know, make a move and I guess inject some, some energy into the program. And and that's where they are right now. Well, I've got one final question for you, and this is only tangentially related to basketball. You live uh, what, what many of us would be considered to be a charmed life. You get to cover Aggie sports for a living. (laughs) Uh, but right, this right. time of year, I agree with you, by the way. Yeah. In fact, let me tell you real quick. When I'm, when I left the Brian college station Eagle in 99, I, I got a job with the San Antonio express news and I, I was the number two guy on the San Antonio Spurs. And that was really cool and everything. But my whole goal, when I left this town and we, you know, we live in Brian college station, I'm raising a family here was to get back. And within two years, well, a year of the Spurs, a couple of years of the Dallas Cowboys, they moved me to Dallas we opened the bureau to move back because that was my whole deal. I wanted to, uh, 
meet a good ag and, and raise a family here. And that's what, that's what I'm doing. So yes, I, I agree with you on the term life <laughs> aspect of that. So I'll let you pick up from there. Well, I have to ask, how do you manage this time of year? Because with everything you've got going on in the Aggie sports world, you've got the end of basketball season, including the women making a, a run to at least the Sweet 16 in the tournament. You've got spring football. The baseball team is is up and running. Softball is off and running. How do you manage this? And and how how much does how much do you actually get to see the family at home at this point? <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, it's, that last part, I was going to say it's easy. I focus on the Bryan United Little League. That's, that's where I was tonight, <laughs> coaching Little League. But, no, it's, it's, I, one of the things, and I don't know, it might be a fault of mine, but I'm able to compartmentalize things, you know, and, and say let's take this time year, uh, last year. It was all about being in, in, you know, being in the Sweet 16 and going out to play Michigan. And, by the way, what, where was that Michigan team last year? Right? No joke. Man, I could have used that. Yeah, what a difference. But anyway, yeah, it was all about that. And so kind of the other stuff was on the back burner, whereas now with Kennedy Carter being – I think – I mean, I've watched a lot of women's basketball over the the decades, really. I can't even say years. I can say decades. And I think pound for pound, she's probably the best player I've ever seen. I mean, she is amazing. So essentially that's what I focused on this week. I wrote about – I wrote a big feature for her that's going to be in the the Friday – uh, Houston Chronicle, and then we'll see what happens with them. If they make it, I'm not going to Chicago, but if they make it to the Final Four, I probably will end up in in Tampa Bay. So, so yeah, you just kind of take it from there, and then you know it's it's fun to see what's happening with the baseball team. So I'll pick up with them once basketball is officially done next week. We'll probably be announcing a a hire for uh, you know the men's basketball program. So that'll that will take up a few days and. Then you get into baseball, and ideally that would end in Omaha, Nebraska, and then suddenly it's uh, vacation time, <laughs> and then suddenly it's coaches' nights, and then suddenly it's it's training camp in August and early August, and then it all starts over again. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about my job. And I understand these guys, you know, like if they're covering an NBA team or NFL team and everything, but I love the variety of what I get to do, you know, going from football to basketball to baseball and throwing in some other sports along the way. So, yeah, so um, I just, like I said, I compartmentalize and pick out what's, what's really the hot thing, like, at this moment and kind of focus in on that. And right now, that would be the A&M women in the Sweet 16. Well, Brent, we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. We will look for more of your, uh, of your breaking news on your work on the Houston Chronicle. And, Lord willing, well, the three of us can can reminisce about the Buzz Williams hiring sometime in the next 48 hours. Uh, but again, we, we do thank you uh, for taking the time to chat with us today. I would look forward to that, and I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.